So I am here with Grace. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. Thanks, uh, Candy. <laughs> so would you like to introduce yourself and tell us who you are? Okay, I'll, I'll give you a few little tidbits about myself. I am, uh, I'm a senior citizen, <laughs> but I feel like I'm 20. I'm full of energy and I really feel that I've come to a place in my life where I can say I am truly joyful uh, and just feel comfortable with myself. And I love to pass this uh, these feelings and this attitude along to all my clients. I, I have a private practice in grief counseling, life coaching, and mental health coaching. I've learned a lot through my own life. I've gone through a lot of struggles when I was younger. I, life hasn't always been joyful and happy for me. So I try to help my clients through both uh, my professional uh, wisdom as well as the hard-earned life experiences that I've gone through. Uh, there's a quote by Booker T. Washington. I don't have the exact phrasing of it, but it goes something like this, that you lift yourself up by lifting up other people. And that's my whole purpose in life is to just really be there for other people and uh, teach them some of the things that I have learned through my own life. That's incredible. I love that. And I love that you're here because you have a wealth of information to share with so many different people. So you also have a big interest in helping others to build resilience. What does that mean to you? Oh, I love the word resilience. It, you know, the very simple definition of resilience is kind of bouncing back, but it really doesn't happen instantaneously like that. It's a it's a process. Uh, you go through something difficult and over time you learn to to be whole again and to function in a in a more, you know, in a in a way that you feel like you're coping and that you're that you're actually not only just coping but but thriving after after difficulties and uh, there's I, I'll have a lot more to say about that later. Resilience uh, it's it's a beautiful word. It just speaks of going through dark times and finding light on the other side. So what encouraged you to want to do this kind of life's work? Like this is big work. I guess I'm a realist. I, I know that life isn't a bunch, of, it isn't just a feel good type of thing. It, resilience is a matter of uh, of going through through life's challenges, which I certainly did. And I, I'll probably talk a bit more about this later when we talk about my book, but probably my darkest, my darkest valley was uh, going through postpartum depression after my third child was born. I, I really felt like I could hardly go on. I was in a very, very dark place. Uh, look at me now. I've, I'm, I'm thriving. I'm, I'm joyful. And uh, I really believe that, that the darkness isn't, hasn't got the final say that in fact, there's a, there's a new form of a philosophy or a psychological inclusion that they've drawn through, through multiple studies and research of people who go through dark times, like for example, war veterans, when they're returning, uh, at the University of North Carolina, they did a study on returning war veterans, and they found that more than 60% of the veterans that we had re been in active duty overseas came back. Um, sure, they still had symptoms of trauma and post-traumatic stress, but they didn't develop the post-traumatic stress, you know, the full, the disorder. It, they actually thrived, not in spite of, of what they had been through, but 
as a result of the trauma that they went through as uh, as soldiers in the war. Um, they, there are five domains of post-traumatic growth, and one of them is uh, a, a deeper spirituality, like you f- really find out what matters in life and what gives life meaning. There's relationships. You, find, you decide that uh, relationships are more important than things. I, I don't remember all the five uh, aspects of the post-traumatic growth, but it's something that you can Google. If, you, if you're if you interested in it, please go ahead and Google post-traumatic growth, or for short, it's called PTG, that there is um, actual growth uh, that your life becomes more meaningful and rich after having gone through something that is considered traumatic and uh, even life-threatening. So you had mentioned before that you wrote a book and it had to do with your experience with postpartum depression. Tell us about the book. Tell us the title. The title is The Birds Still Sing, My Journey of Resilience Through Postpartum Depression. And the title is something that came to me when I was watching a World War II movie uh, a while back. And while the guns were were blaring and the uh, bombs were were falling, like there was chaos and and killing and, and darkness in the background. You can see the birds flitting around in the trees and still going about their singing and their building nests and laying eggs and starting new new families. Nothing could stop these birds from singing. And even today, like not too long ago, I had a really tough day at work and I, um, it was a Sunday evening. I worked a Sunday evening shift and on Monday morning, I was still feeling the gloom and the stress of that shift that I had just gone through. And I went on this really energetic walk through the woods and I stopped by a little pond and I was still feeling kind of down and and burdened by the stress of the the shift that I had just gone through and then just right in front of me by at the edge of the pond there was this gorgeous little blackbird red-winged blackbird with its bright red and yellow wing and its shiny glossy black feathers and it was just singing its heart out and it was just like uh it flipped a switch and I thought you know birds are, and, and nature in general are, are just so, uh, they're just, they just revolutionize my, my inner world. And as I was going through this postpartum depression, I thought back to how birds and nature have revived me when I was going through uh, tough periods. Yeah, I, with the help of, of doctors, with the help of medication, I got through this really difficult time in my life. I got to the other side and and yes, the birds are still singing even even now as uh, I'm sure if you listen for a minute you could hear the birds singing outside your window wherever you are and just let that inspire you to not give up and to just keep going. That's beautiful. And so you had already said all these wonderful things that you do and all these, you know, wonderful titles that you have, but what services do you provide your clients? Okay, I was initially, I my started my counseling as a grief counselor. Uh, when my mother went through, she suffered a lot from her cancer uh, that she went through, and her death was really, really difficult for the whole family. And uh, I thought to myself, if there's only some way that I could get some training to help other people who are experiencing grief and, uh, you know, suffering from a terminal illness. Uh, That was back in Winnipeg. That's where I grew up. And then shortly after that, we moved to London. And I discovered the 
Thanatology, the Grief and Bereavement Program at King's College and Western University. And I enrolled in that and, and took the Grief and Bereavement Program. And since then, I have I've been in private practice as a grief counselor. And, and grief is not just about the loss of life. It can also be the loss of a relationship. It can be the loss of health and function. It can be the loss of a pet. I know that people get so attached to their pets, just like I am to my kitty cat. The death of a pet can be extremely painful, a pet, really painful loss, divorce, any type of loss, loss of a job. Um, yeah, so so my grief counseling is uh, is a broader uh, field than just uh, the death of a loved one, that, although that is probably the most common reason that people come and see me. I also um, help people with life coaching. I try and help people find their values, their true values in life, their purpose, their meaning, uh, their strengths, their core strengths. We all have strengths. You know, sometimes we just look at our failures and our, our shortcomings, but no, it really it's really helpful to look at what is what is my strength base. And then from there, we go into uh, setting some SMART goals, of goals for perhaps your career. Some people come because of career, wanting to make career choices or changes, or just finding more purpose and meaning in life. Like, what, what can I do with my life to make it more meaningful and more joyful? And we talk about Things like how to find happiness, how to take control of your life. Like sometimes we we wait for somebody else to come along and um, say, well, this is what you should do, or this is what what you, you should do with your life. Or, um, you know, we wait for somebody else to give us direction when really we we have a, a wealth of strength and information on on our insides to to guide us uh, with the help of a coach. That's uh, the coach can be very helpful in helping you to uh, see what's what's inside of you, what are your strengths. And I certainly don't do this on my own. I do it in conjunction with the client. We work as a as a powerful team of two to move forward in a positive direction in, in your life. There's nothing more, more gratifying than to see my clients go from feeling lost and feeling stuck in their lives to seeing them flourish and, and find a richer, more meaningful life. So that's what the life coaching is about. And then mental health counseling is um, basically helping people deal with issues like anxiety, uh, trauma, depression. And there's a lot of overlap, you know, with all of these uh, modalities of counseling, there's a lot of overlap. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, like if you're going for grief counseling, you know, you're probably also going to be looking for a new purpose in your life. Uh, I guess the foundational uh, goal that I have for my clients is to find a life of meaning, purpose and joy. And whether it's whichever these of these types of counseling, you're looking for that's that's what my purpose is to to just help you find a place in your life where you can look at yourself and say hey I'm happy with my life I'm satisfied I'm content and I'm full of joy well that's beautiful work that you're doing you write a monthly blog on your website a stronger you.ca what is your blog generally about 
I would call it a, a mental health blog. Um, maybe, yeah, mental wellness, not not so much mental illness, but mental wellness. There's so so much uh, that links to mental, emotional, mental health and wellness. Um, I talk about uh, priorities. I talk about. I think the probably the most popular blog post that I did was "Stop Beating Yourself Up and Become Your Own Best Friend." That one seemed to. Uh, spark a lot of interest and um, uh, dealing with difficult emotions. Um, I, I I wrote a, a blog about procrastination. It's it's something that a lot of people struggle with. I did a blog post on that on procrastination. I've done uh, blog posts on anxiety, on post traumatic growth, trauma, a life sentence. Uh, yeah, I've I've done fifty blog posts. And I mean, a lot of what you do, you focus on positivity and growth. And I know that you've touched on certain things of how you got on that positivity train. But can we go a little more in depth about that? What brought you to this space of looking for joy and finding joy and wanting to help others to find that same joy? I think a lot of that of my attitude, my mental attitude is based on the reading that I do. I'm a very prolific reader. I discovered positive psychology. That's that was, I think, the first clue that there's more to life than just being average. You know, up till uh, in the late 19. 80s, Martin Seligman was the president of the American Psychological Association. And he focused on the fact that up till this point, psychology had been all about correcting mental illnesses like depression, anxiety, stress. Uh, And basically, the the focus was on getting these people up to about 50%, you know, so that they, they, it was more the absence of mental illness than positive mental health. And he felt that we should start focusing on mental thriving, uh, like getting people up to 80% and and even beyond, maybe you don't want to go too much above 80 or (laughs) (laughs) You might start floating. His philosophy was that we've got to start working on positive mental health uh, and to go up and over and above and beyond what psychology had been focusing up till now. And he called that strain of mental or of uh, psychology. He just called it positive psychology. And there's tons of books written about it. And I am just a student of positive psychology, which is where I found that word resilience uh, in the books that I was reading. And the very first uh, very first book I read uh, on the theme of positive psychology was a book called Super Better by Jane McGonigal. Now, I know the word, the title super better sounds like over the top, (laughs) but believe me, it was just full of practical suggestions and ideas, and it included the experience and life life situation of the author. Um, She started writing this book uh, when she had a very, very severe concussion. She couldn't focus. She couldn't do any screens. She couldn't read. She was just stuck. Uh, in her bed. And it came to her that rather than uh, focusing on what she couldn't do, she uh, she has a twin sister who is also a psychologist. And um, Jane McGonigal is her, um, she's a psychologist, but she uses her psychological training in developing video games. 
So she's a gamer. And she turned her ordeal into a game. And the book is full of different suggestions of how she dealt with this concussion situation and how she she found resilience even in this really difficult period of her life where she was completely confined to her bed there for a while. The book is full of um, suggestions for building resilience into your life and uh, that got me started and I've just read, I'm not sure how many books I've read, but I'm always in search of books about resilience, books about joy and happiness, about positivity, uh, mindset. So that's basically the whole focus of my life. And uh, it has just turned turned my life in, in a very positive direction. And it, it has really, really energized and inspired me. I, I find that a lot of people don't believe that grief and joy can can live together at the same time and you know in our previous discussions i had mentioned that i always found that you know going through the trauma that i've gone through and the loss of both of my parents and you know being caregiver to them for 20 plus years there was this resilience that i ended up having you know, and then I, I go on with my life and, and I seek joy and joy is so incredibly important to me. A lot of people seem surprised by that because of the traumas that they know that I have gone through. And so I find it really interesting to meet other people who hold grief highly because I think it's such an important thing that we do and that we have to do alongside seeking joy. It's just a really beautiful combination. I do a lot of grief support groups. Usually um, this church in East London has hired my services to do grief groups. And uh, the minister of that church was walking by our, our meeting room where we were meeting as a grief group and we were roaring with laughter. And she said she couldn't believe this was a grief group. <laughs> Tears and, and laughter are very, very closely connected. I think they come from the same part of our brain. Laughter is so, so incredibly important, right? And that has always been a huge tool for me to, to thrive in life, to be okay, you know? Uh, but we have a mutual friend, Amber Needham. She had mentioned you to me and that's, that's why we're sitting here today with each other. But she has that same resilience and that same seeking joy even through the trauma even through the the hardships and i just think it's so incredibly beautiful that they're you know that that's a thing absolutely what are you currently working on i'm currently working on um perfecting or i guess you're never perfect right but enhancing my uh life coaching uh, handouts and uh, you know from each person that each client that I deal with, I learn, I, I'm a constant learner. I'm a lifelong learner. Um, I'm working on uh, preparing uh, a talk for a summer university place. It's called Chautauqua. It's in New York state. And I'm doing a talk on becoming your own best friend. It's kind of a takeoff on the, on the blog post that I did back a few months ago. And I'm working on uh, preparing uh, a talk 
about uh, grief for police officers who have to go and talk to families after a loved one has been killed. And uh, yes, I'm, I'm going to be uh, addressing them and uh, just helping them to understand grief in a way that would be helpful in the type of the really tough, tough work that they have to do. And um, I think they also go back for follow-up visit. Like most people, when they think about grief, they, they become almost um, paralyzed. They, they're so afraid of what to say, what not to say, what to do, what to avoid. So I'm just going to try and help these police officers. And they're also the kind of the lay people that work with them in, in these on these teams to kind of just have a little bit more comfort level with with the grief process. Do you see people in person and virtually? I, I'm equipped to see people virtually, but I'm finding that after the pandemic, most people just say, please, only face-to-face. And I, I, I get much more energy out of a face-to-face session, which I believe clients do as well. If somebody is in a situation, I have one client who's moving back to Germany, and she has already asked if I can, if we can continue on Zoom, which you know I'm very happy to accommodate to that situation. My preference is face-to-face, but if if I have a client who is uh, distant, uh, you know, geographically distant from me, uh, I'd be very happy to work with them on Zoom if that's, you know, if if there's a need for that. I do want to ask you, because I think you're the best person to ask, what are the things that bring you joy? I think having a sense of purpose in life and and a sense of meaning and purpose, they kind of go together. You know, like a lot of people are very self-critical, very self, they judge themselves or they're, they have very poor self-esteem and, um, it's very hard to be joyful when you're constantly thinking negatively about yourself. So just sort of being comfortable in my own skin gives me joy. Connecting with other people, they did us a big study in at Harvard, a very, very lengthy study. I'm not sure it went over over 50 years, I believe. They, they uh, interviewed a v- wide variety of different people. Uh, some were students, some were uh, homeless people. And they found over over the years that the people who were emotionally connected to uh, either friends or family members to have one or two solid uh, connections with another individual was one of the biggest determinants of happiness and joy. And uh, so connecting with others is very important for me. uh, Also having self-care, that means taking care of your body physically, um, nutrition and rest. Those three are the sort of the three, it's like a three-legged stool. Those three uh, aspects are are very important to take care of yourself, not not only physically, but also mentally and emotionally. Learning how to say no when you're over, when you're stressed, learning to set boundaries um, and, and an attitude, an attitude that Yes, I can do this. I can be positive. I don't have to be stuck in a negative mindset. I talk to so many people, clients, um, just acquaintances who whose whole life seems to be fixated on 
a grudge against what somebody has done to them or said to them or not said to them or 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 having ignored them or whatever and you can't be happy and hold a grudge at the same time if if you if somebody has done something to hurt you if you are able to approach that person personally, that's probably the optimal way to do it. But if you can't do that, if it's very scary to do that. It takes a lot of courage. You can journal about it and, and really get your thoughts and feelings out on paper. But just having a forgiving, you know, just accepting, giving people the benefit of the doubt. You know, if somebody didn't answer your email right away, well, maybe maybe, maybe their email broke down or maybe maybe there was a, a reason. Maybe their mother was dying, you know, or if somebody doesn't smile at you, yeah, like maybe they got some really bad news. So give people the benefit of the doubt and don't don't hold grudges. It, it just really destroys joy and happiness for yourself. It doesn't affect the other person in the least. It's you yourself that are. Are, are holding that weight on your shoulders. But I think the three words that have helped me on my journey are just simply let it go. Just let it go. This was really awesome. I love that we connected and that you you are here as a guest and you're sharing pages of your story, um, your incredible story, you know, of, of trauma and all the experiences that you've gone through and everything that you have overcome and come out on this other side with happiness and joy. And yeah, it's it's really, truly beautiful. So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome.